0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the final in our long series on the test of Daniel. This is Matt, and we are finishing up our the ninth test, how to pray in a crisis. And we've seen we must first listen to God when he wants us to know about his promises and his word. Second, how we need to turn our face towards him and pray. And third, that we need to pray with emotion. So what's next in how to pray for a crisis? Let's just jump right in. And jump to number four, and that is to demonstrate your seriousness. Daniel, in the next part of the verse, mentions three ways he shows, three ways his he signals his seriousness to God. Now, two of them were cultural customs that we don't really do anymore in America or I think anywhere in the world today. But they used to do back in the day. One of them is a spiritual bliss discipline that's been going on for centuries and thousands of years, and the people still do it. And here's what he says Daniel 9 3b. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in sackcloth and ashes. So he pleaded with emotion and he fasted. Fasting is going without food, and the other two, nobody really does. That's sackcloth and ashes. Nobody really. Puts ashes on themselves, but it was done for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Middle East and in some Asian countries. But like I said, I think it's out of favor today. And Jesus said there are some miracles that can only happen by prayer and fasting, not by prayer alone. Why? Well, because fasting says, God, I am super serious about this, I'm super serious enough to go without food. That's how important this is. That's how disciplined and serious I am about this prayer request. I don't have time to go through all that, but all through the Bible, you can see examples of that. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. The Israelites fasted before they went into many, many major battles. Daniel fasted in order to receive guidance from God. Nehemiah fasted before he began a major building project. You should too business guy out there or girl. Jesus fasted in victory over temptation. The very first Christians fasted during decision-making times in their life. There's a lot to fasting, but for for us praying in a crisis, it's simply demonstrating how serious this request is. You can actually look into fasting. You can learn a lot about fasting if you study it. Just look up the word fasting or use some concordances or something or go online and search for it and you can learn a lot about it. A couple years ago, my daughter asked me if she could see a movie about cheerleading and she was a little young and and she usually watches cartoons and this was not animated, but she did her research. She looked it up and saw if it was good for kids her age to watch. She looked at reviews and then asked us again. I've never seen her so serious about a request before, so I took it seriously. I looked it up. I She showed me all the research she did and how she wanted to watch it and she thought she could do it. She presented her ironclad case of why she would be allowed to watch it. And you know what? I let her watch it. Is there any prayer that you want answered? Well, you need to be serious about it because a lot of times we ask stuff from God and we're like, oh, well. No, be serious about it. Show your concern. Fifth thing you got to do is thank God for his love and promises. The Bible says when you ask, ask with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving isn't just a holiday that we celebrated just a few weeks ago. If you're a believer, it's an attitude of your entire life. You're to live with the attitude of gratitude. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. That's verse four. In Daniel 9, you keep your promises of constant love to those who love you and keep your commandments. Five verses later, Daniel says, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. You just tell God, God, I am grateful that you're God and I'm not. I'm grateful that you're loving and you're forgiving and you're merciful. Many times when we're in a deep crisis or a huge request, it blinds us from the remembering of all the unbelievable things that God has done for us in our lives because we are prisoners of the moment or we're in so much pain that we can't think straight. Thanking God for his promises helps us in the midst of our pain and our crisis to continue. Number six, humbly confess my sin. See, God doesn't listen to prideful complaining, but he does listen to humble confessing. God responds to humility. Some of you think, you know, if I admit my sins to God, I'm going to get punished. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. First place. God already knows you did them all. Okay. You're not going to surprise God. You're not going to be like, oh, wow. God's not going to say, how did I miss that one? I didn't see that one coming. No, 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 no. God already knows what you've done, what you will do. And he knows every stupid thing that you've done in your life. You know, he just wants you to admit it. It's for your own humility, because we think of ourselves way better than we are. So how does, does God respond when we humbly admit that we blew it? Does he do it with punishment? Never. When God hears you be humble, he responds not with punishment, but with blessing, with forgiving, with mercy, with grace. Because let me remind you, if you are his child and you've asked Jesus into your heart, And trusted him to remove all your sins and bring you into his family. All your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. There's nothing more for God to forgive since Jesus paid the price for them on the cross. That is why we can rest and trust in those last words that Jesus spoke on the cross. It is finished. It's done. It's over. No more. See, when we confess, it simply means to speak the same thing about God. like saying, God, you're right. That was a sin. I don't excuse it. I don't make excuses for it. I don't say that was a little faux pas. It was a little weakness. No, it was wrong. It was sin. It was rebellion against you. I did it. You told me not to, but I did it anyway. And God responds to that with grace. Verse five and six says, we have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke In your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. He says this very specific, we're at fault. Every generation, it's not like one generation. In America, every generation has got part of the blame for the problems that we're going through now. Verse 7 and 8 says, Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, In all the countries where you've scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. They didn't pay any attention to when you told us how to live. Verse 10, Daniel continues, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. He's like, you told us what was right and wrong, what was morally good, what's not. Very clear teaching through your promise. We just didn't listen. Verse 13, just as it is written, the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Daniel says, you know what? Kept on sinning despite the obvious warnings. We ignored you. Now, this is big. Look at how many verses are about humbly confessing sin. And now I have this as one of the six ways That chapter nine tells us how to pray in a crisis. Yet this one point takes up almost three quarters of the entire chapter. Daniel knows we don't deserve God's blessing, but he casts himself on the grace of God. He says, God can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to get our home back. We don't deserve to go back to Jerusalem. We don't deserve your blessing that you've given us over the years, but we're going to cast ourselves on your mercy. Verse 17. He says, Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake, Lord. Look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Daniel's saying, You're good, good father, and you're merciful. How does God respond to that type of prayer? Look at verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. And as soon as you began, to pray a word went out which i've come to tell you for you are highly esteemed therefore consider the word and understand the vision And then he goes into the vision now daniel didn't pray this just one time and he was answered he prayed it over and over and over again god i need your help he's praying it over and over again this wasn't a one-time occurrence now god doesn't have to send a gabriel to me or to you because we have the second half of the bible We have more of the revelation that God has for us. We know what's written about Jesus. We know what was to come for Daniel. And what we look back upon is what he looked forward to. We have all that. So we don't need that intervention. And I can tell you right now what God will say to you. God says, I saw you born. I saw you grow. I saw all the hurts. I saw all the happy times, the sad times. I've seen everything in your life and I have a plan for you. I have a timetable for your life. And when you started praying, I heard that prayer. And I want to help you to understand my praying for your life because I love you very much. Now you say, wait, 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 Matt. God is talking to Daniel, not me. Not like us. Not this. Well, remember God's promise in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name, that's Christians, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Are you a Christian? If you are, then simply turn your face to God, call out with emotion, call on his promises to you to be able to make it through praying in any crisis. Now myself, I've been going through a big crisis and this sermon series has really helped me dealing with it. I've been dealing with the possibility of losing my dad. I believe this podcast is going out the week of the 18th or 19th or 20th or something like that. My dad's been in the hospital for over a month and I've been dealing with the possibility of losing my dad. My dad, after he went, you know, if you can, I'm going to continue the story where I left off. My dad went back into the ICU after, you know, and they were preparing us. And so we had this long meeting and they basically gave him a 10% chance to go home. The next day he was doing good and they took him off the ventilator and he started to improve and over the next week he was finally transferred to a holding room, but his mind was still plagued with delirium. He was agitated and his responses were not where they should be. The hotel psychiatrist called me and told me they were struggling trying to control his education while giving him enough medicine so that he can recover and they haven't figured out the mix. And I wanted to see him when he was in the transitional room and I brought my two daughters. Now, my son was a little young. He, he, I don't think he could understand. He wasn't ready for that scene. And so I went there to talk to my dad, not knowing what would happen. I brought my two daughters. And miraculously, he said my name for the first time since he went into the hospital. And my daughters heard it. I thought I was hearing things. But no, they were like, no, dad, he said your name. I understood a few sentences. I understood that he said my daughter's name. And he was talking to them, but after a few sentences, he kind of zoned out and was just agitated, but he kept wanting to hold our hands. He kept wanting to put his arm around us and give us a hug. It was the best I've seen him since he entered the hospital. And we left, and we were very positive being able to talk to my dad, being able to realize that maybe he's getting his mind back. Maybe he'll be able to talk and eat solid foods and, and, uh, recover the next day I went in and he was back, basically back to not speaking, being agitated. The delirium was running strong and I texted Jeanette. I was like, this is a roller coaster. This is tough. It's going up and down and not in a good way. I like roller coasters, but not this one. And I continued to pray because praying in a crisis is hard, but I know God is with me. And if I follow these six ways of how to pray in a crisis, I know God will get me through whatever happens. So I'd like to close this testing series of Daniel with a prayer because I need it. And if you're in a crisis, I know you need it too. Lord, help me to see that your plan for my life involves your timing and my praying. And that many times I have not because I don't ask. Teach us how to focus our attention on you. It's so easy to get distracted in this world. Help us to turn our face to you. Help us to learn how to talk to you with emotion To be authentic and real and not phony and fake and trite. Realize that our tone and our heart are more important than the words that we think. Thank you that our prayer doesn't have to be beautiful or sound great. It doesn't even have to be in a complete sentence. It just has to be honest and real. So Lord, break our hearts over the things that break your heart. Teach us how to pour out our hearts to you. And yes, even if tears come, so be it. Help us to demonstrate our seriousness but even be willing to fast as a symbol to show you how serious we are about this prayer. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your promises and your word. Thank you that you are faithful when we are unfaithful, that you're consistent when we are inconsistent. Thank you that when we come and humble ourselves to you and admit our wrongs and admit our rebellion, you don't punish us, but you forgive us and you wrap us in your embrace. And help me to feel your love every day because we desperately need it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed this series. And next week, I'll do a recap of things that I learned this year. That's what I thought I'd like to do as the last podcast of the year before I start something new for the next year. Now, I had written this several days ago, probably about a week ago. So I'd like to give you the latest update on my dad as of December 20th. When I went in and I had that meeting where he said my name and everyone was there, it was great. But two days later, he was back in the ICU because he had trouble breathing and they were concerned. So they brought him back down to the ICU and they intubated him. They called me up and they asked him to do a procedure for pain medicine in his neck, which already asked already approved twice before. So we did that. And I waited for an update and we went. I went in to see him, and he looked uh, he was out, he was heavily sedated, and so I just looked at him and I left. Two days after that, he his lungs didn't just have mucus in them that was hard to come out, but rather the bacterial pneumonia that they thought was gone came back with a vengeance. That was something we didn't expect. So, my sister my aunt, uh, my dad's sister, and me went into the hospital and saw him. It turns out that the pneumonia was really bad. They did another CAT scan, and for the first time, the CAT scan came back, and there was more blood on his brain, and they had no idea where it came from, which was another bad sign. Then we saw the reports his kidneys are starting to fail. And at that point we looked at each other and we were like well we've done everything we can and we made the tough decision that we should just go to hospice an hour after that decision my dad passed and you know what i'm holding in right now but don't take that as I'm, i i try to be calm i can compartmentalize my life sometimes and that's what i'm doing right now i'm compartmentalizing i'm not thinking about it so i i'm much more calm then I am in reality because I'm sad and I'm filled with grief. But here's the deal. I can still call out to God. And I remember that what I prayed for God at the very beginning of this starting in November 17th, I prayed for peace. I prayed that no matter what happens, I pray for peace because I know, rationally speaking, when an 81 year old man goes into the hospital, And his accident was so severe, which I didn't know at the time, but when I took his effects home and they had to cut off all his clothes and his clothes were covered in blood, which is not what you want to see, how bad that accident really was, which started this whole thing with my dad, even though he was in great health, anything can happen at any time, especially when you're over 80. And so I asked God for peace and you know what? He's given it. And I'm going to keep praying in the crisis, because for me, the crisis isn't over. Grief isn't something that you get over. It's something you deal with your whole life. Life is full of grief. It's also filled with happiness. But right now, grief has taken over. Usually this is my happiest time of the year. But I told my wife this morning, I said, you know, this Christmas, it's going to be a little hard. And she just gave me a hug like that's an understatement, but it's okay. I'm not trying to get over anything because you can't get over things. So I'm going to continue to pray in a crisis and I'm going to continue to put these six things and I'm going to turn to God with emotion and with desire. And I'm going to continue to ask for peace because I need it desperately. And I'm going to continue to, in in my favorite words of every, in my favorite Christmas cartoon, put one foot in front of the other. (laughs) Keep going. Because a lot of people this time of year have faced a lot of difficulty. Christmas can be a really rough time out there. So if you're struggling with grief, or if you're struggling with anything going on with someone who's not with you right now, or a loss that you have suffered in this holiday season, remember, pray to God and do those six things. Pray with emotion, call out to him because he's there and he wants you to. And he loves you and he cares for you and he'll never leave you. He's always right there. And that's the promise that I'm holding onto right now. So if you're struggling like I am this Christmas, know that he's still right there with you, right there next to you. And he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. So there's the update on my dad. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but I understand. What was really sad was during the last couple of days, my dad was in ICU before he passed the days leading up to it. My sister went in to visit him and while she was there, like three to four people passed away right then and the families were there and there was so much grief and so much pain, you know, in this world we're going to have pain and it's not always going to work out great. But later on that day, she found some other people, and they seem to be celebrating because they're, they made it through the worst of it, and they're going to survive. <sighs> that's how life is. And so I just want you all to know out there that God is still there. He's still God. He's still in control. and He still loves you. And I think that's where I want to stop. So that's it for this really long Daniel series and update on my dad, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got stuff out of it, and wherever you are right now, know that he loves you and he's there for you, no matter what. God bless, and I'll see you next week.